Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. So Skamania means swift water. And right now you're in the heart of the Columbia River Gorge. This is a place that's famous for its rivers, for its forests, and its clean mountain air. Fun fact, too, this place is also famous because they have more Bigfoot sightings than anywhere in the country. Yeah, in fact, Sasquatch himself has been spotted around these areas more than a couple times. So keep your eyes peeled. You might see him. He's real. All right, but on a more serious note, Charity's here. Welcome to Game of Roses. This was Pace Case. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? Oh, the face play. I'm face playing in reaction. I just no. did full eye aperture, full mouth aperture. I feel so special you're doing yeah. face play just for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's audio format. <laughs> I got to practice my game. Yeah. Who are you? I'm a bachelor clues, and uh, I don't even know how to start describing what we witnessed tonight or what we've really witnessed this entire season. I'm just going to say it up front, and I'm sure you'll hear this multiple times throughout this episode and probably throughout this entire season, maybe for the rest of my life, hopefully for the rest of my life. (laughs) Okay. It just feels like they give a fuck about the show again. It just feels like these producers who are not the producers that did last season, it feels like these producers care about the fucking game. And I love it. It feels so fucking good. Good at job. Yes. This was the best episode all season. I could not believe how different Charity's edit is from what we saw last season. I know. And what I kept thinking this whole thing was, this is what the Nima colon episode could have looked like season exactly correct exactly correct i thought the exact same thing nema colon 2.0 yes except for nema colon they decided to bring in five new players halfway through the fucking season and get all the players upset with one another i mean what you're watching this season so far is a fucking masterclass in producing this is exactly how you do this show we have not had any fractured episode every episode ends with a rose ceremony so far even one like tonight that had massive drama in it there were a million ways you could have cliffhanged this episode and not ended it with a rose ceremony and they didn't do any of that they resolved all of the dramatic narrative They gave us the fucking rose ceremony. It was beautiful. There was even a thing in the middle of this goddamn episode that blew my mind that was really a marketing thing, but a producer decision nonetheless of putting in a little promo saying, and stick around, Braden's coming back. They put a commercial for the end of the episode in the middle of the fucking episode. Brilliant marketing plan. Oh, I didn't like that. (laughs) Interesting. Well, we can discuss uh, when we get to it, but... uh, Spoiler. I was just blown away by tonight's episode. And of course, high-level gameplay from all the usual suspects. Uh, I can't wait to dig into this. It feels like the people who are producing the show have actually watched the good seasons of the show. Yes. 
like we're seeing we saw the Hannah Brown group date where she eats a bug, the wilderness date. We see yeah. a resurrection that's scripted exactly like the resurrections of the Corinne Olympios era coming out of the swamp. Yeah. Climbing up the hill. But it's also not like it's the tone. It's how they're presenting it. They they send them out into the forest to forage for fucking bugs and shit or whatever. <laughs> but it's done in a playful way. It's fun. None of these people feel like they're being threatened. None of these people feel like the producers are trying to like grind them into dust. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, right, right. I don't know what they're feeling. There were some actual threats in this episode. But those are those are the threats you want. The threats aren't coming from outside circumstances. They're player to player. There are threats. Yeah. It's a player threatening another player because of the situation they're in. Not the producers. Correct. The threat is not coming from the game itself. Or at least it doesn't feel like it. I mean, obviously, the producers did all of that. We'll get to Braden coming back and like all the other players being, how dare he's coming back. It's like, well, the producers did this. You understand that. Here's the thing. It's like, is this episode how I would feel about it? Without Brayden, like, I don't think so <laughs> because his play style is so entertaining. Yeah. I literally, I'm like, this guy is, I don't know, Johnny Depp gone undercover trying to reach out to clues through the fourth audience. He will be the master of paradise. There is no doubt about this. Um, They used him exactly correctly. They got they just got everything out of him right up until the episode where they don't need him anymore because next week the drama will be, this is the week before hometowns, what guys are going to make that cut. So they'll have like baked in drama just into the the game structure. He went home at exactly the right time. Yes. They kept him for exactly the right amount of time. This is like Tira Lacazzi, a similar kind of thing. They kept her for the exact right amount of time. It was just brilliantly done. So I, I cannot give enough props to the producers of this season. And we're going to get into it here, play by play, uh, how they're doing all this. But Jesus Christ, this season is fucking fantastic. I have to ask you, check in. Yeah. With our uh, New Year's resolutions. How are you feeling about Opto 2023? And do you think that we manifested this season? (laughs) Whether we did or not, I think it is happening. I mean, look, I've never been happier watching the fucking show. Well, I won't say that. There have been some some pastimes, and there were moments in the in the hyper binge where I was like happy, but that could also have been delirium. Um, <laughs> I think that for me, this is as the the kids want to say, it's giving golden era. The kids want to say it's it really is. It's giving like that that Hannah Brown pilot Pete. It is giving golden era. I agree. It's great. I just love it so fucking much. And it just, it does feel like, it feels like the show has changed to me in all the right ways. It really does feel like that. I can't believe we're even saying it. I can't either. I can't either. (laughs) Believe me, I can't believe it. I literally like couldn't stop smiling. I cried watching this episode. Oh shit. I haven't cried in a minute. Like. Damn. I cried once. I cried once. Watching the show. Season 25, Matt James, when they did the group date. Was it about baseball? And they all, no, it was when they all had to dress up like squirrels. I shed a tear of joy. Just kidding. Uh, let's start this. <laughs> Are you ready, Pace Case? There was some clues to your play that was about baseball. Have a catch. Or- oh, right. It was some athlete saying like how he was never going to get back his yeah. athletic years or whatever. I don't remember who it was. Doesn't matter. Uh, let's break into this. Here we go. <laughs> and now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game, 
This is Game of Roses. All right, we begin this episode with a promo. Tonight on The Bachelorette, we see Doton kissing. We see scary things. We see some bungee jumping. Joey's getting those kisses. Doton is on top of the world. We see Braden calling somebody a cookie cutter dude. <laughs> then Braden is accused of not being a man, and it looks like a fight might possibly break out. We begin portion one. We are in Stevenson, Washington. We see some ducks on a pond, some beautiful B-roll. This was not my creature. Was it your creature? No. Charity drives through the woodlands as she ITMs that she's never been here, but the trees, mounds, and greenery are breathtaking. She pulls up to a cabin, does a little I love Clevelanding here, and the guys then do some I love Clevelanding of their own as they arrive at their quarters, the Scamania Lodge. They're all ITMing how gorgeous it is. Sean ITMs that it feels like he's in a movie right now. Sean, actually, you're on a reality TV show. Braden ITMs, uh, loving being outdoors and keeping the day positive. Good one. <laughs> Thank you. I just always, when, when it's like, feels like I'm in a movie, he's saying this directly into a fucking camera. It's like, that might be why it feels like you're in a movie, dude. There's a, a hundred person production surrounding you and dictating every move you make. DLP then enters to greet the guys. Yeah, I can't even go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like a movie. Uh, just like a movie. DLP then enters and he greets all the guys and asks them about the lodge. And he tells them that Scamania means swift water. It's a place that's famous for clean water and mountain air and also famous for Bigfoot sightings more than any other place in the country. And he says Sasquatch has been spotted. You know what I thought was going to happen? Oh, same thing I did, I'm sure. Labor of love. Labor of love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought for sure they were going to have some motherfucker dressed up as a Sasquatch tormenting these guys on the after party. I was expecting it on every group date. I was like, it's going to be this one. <laughs> Same. Every time they had, literally any time somebody's outside, I'm just like, this is it. Sasquatch going to come. Sasquatch going to get him. Sasquatch going to get him. And we, we'll get to Sasquatch. Of course, he did make an appearance, but. By the way, this is a reference to a to an old, uh, old show we watched during the pandemic, Labor of Love, in which they scared the shit out of the contestants with a fake bear. And it scared the shit out of me. Oh, wow. I was not scared at all. Nor did I think the contestants were. I thought they saw through it. And I thought this was great. And I, I thought they were really scared. And mm. it was a good idea. <laughs> well, they, they dropped the ball with it to some degree. But we did get some Sasquatch in the end. We'll get to that. But DLP leaves behind the date card and Sean ITMs wanting that one-on-one because he was forced to tur turtle by Braden and Aaron's drama last week. John gets an ITM about nothing, basically, here. Just giving him some screen time. <laughs> and we saw, uh, interestingly, at the end of this, we'll get to it. John got cut. Got it. And uh, we'll talk about what that may or may not mean for his future as The Bachelor. Hmm. But we see this date card. It is a one-on-one, -on -one, the first of two in tonight's big game. And it goes to Doton. This is a leap into love. And we've seen the promos. We know it's going to be a bungee date. And Doton ITM's excitement, readiness for his time on the stage. And we're teed up. Is he going to be able to handle this? Is he going to drop the ball? We don't know. And this is like a feeling. I'm telling you, I, I haven't had this in a while where you're like, all right, Doton's up to bat. You know, it really does feel like a game again to me because of how they're presenting it. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. And they present it like they get so little time with the person. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you've got to make the most out of your one-on-one -on -one time. This is make or break. I love what Doton does here. She picks him up in this yellow Jeep and then he picks her up. Joey does a face play and he kisses her. And I like that he did that in front of all the, all the guys. Could have easily not gone for it. I mean, Braden later talked about 
displays of dominance, expressing his dominance. This is truly how you do it. All of the other guys are forced out onto the balcony by the producers. They must watch what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's not unbuttoning every 20 minutes. <laughs> no, it's not wearing clothing that's uh, slightly not warm enough for you. Um, it's this. It's kissing Charity in front of these guys. Wait, it's not just eating anything you find in the woods? I can't wait to get to that part. He's eating fucking beets. Where did he find beets in this fucking forest? All right, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I thought that this was a brilliant micro play here. Uh, really a display of dominance. It makes all the other guys a little bit jealous. And there's nothing they can do about it. They're up on a balcony. He's down by the car. It is his one-on-one day. It's his time to shine. They got to give him that moment. And he takes it and he does what he needs to do with it. Then we get uh, in the house... Caleb is telling the guys that the more he develops feelings for charity, the more it's starting to hurt. So they're giving him a little screen time in here. Braden gets an ITM. He doesn't understand how these other guys can be talking about hometowns without having spent any time with her at all. He sings that singles out Sean specifically for what he calls <laughs> a butt chin. And he compares him to Prince Charming from Shrek. Now, this is a perfect play. It's a perfect play. <laughs> You know the producers are going to put this in there because it's funny as fuck. And now tomorrow, you're going to see, or today as you're listening to this, you're going to see a million fucking uh, memes of Sean next to Prince Charming from Shrek calling him a butt chin. Yes. This is going to live on forever. Brilliantly done. It's colorful narration at its best. It's He then ups the impression to creating a butt chin with a finger he is talking about how they don't even know that Charity's favorite color is blue. And <laughs> we see Charity greet Dotton and say, I'm so happy it's you because I guess she's just found out it's him. And he expresses that height is weirdly one of his few fears. Shocking that he would get this date. And they go to the bridge that is one of the tallest in America to go bungee jumping. And I really, <laughs> I don't think I would do this. You wouldn't bungee. I think I would be like, wouldn't it be great if we can just go to a restaurant? <laughs> oh my God. Breaking news. Pace case is anti bungee. This is so tall. I can't believe it. 20 stories. You've never bungeed. No. I never bungeed either. What? Then why are you so surprised I wouldn't bungee? I'd bungee if the bungee context was bungee one-on-one on season of Bachelorette or something, of course. I'd do whatever. Hmm. In service of the game, I'd fucking do anything. Hmm. Yeah, maybe you just have enough adrenaline at that point. I'd do a Kirkconnell parachuting accident. I would do a... <laughs> I would. Her or the instructor? Both. The instructor was the one who really got fucked up. You would break your leg? For the... I'm sacrificing my fucking life to our beloved game at this point. I'm living in the goddamn pit. I've never broken a bone. Neither have I. I these are pristine bones. Face <laughs> case, you must keep your bones pristine. I agree. So we would never make you do a bungee. But nonetheless, they go to this bridge and uh, it opens with two people jumping off the bridge, screaming in terror. I thought that was going to be my Jorge Moreno, but it wasn't. This, this whole episode was chock full of Jorge Moreno and face play. It was a feast. The entire thing was a feast. I have so many face plays marked. I know. I, I took like 15 fucking pictures. It's unreal. I actually think I do have to give it to Charity when 
the bungee jump people tell her mm -hmm. that uh, it's all this G-force. And she goes like this. Yup. I know the image well. <laughs> she has... That's why Charity gets my... Face play of the game. You know I love a tongue play. It's full tongue. Yeah. M big aperture, but the tongue is seated right on top of her bottom teeth. Yeah. It is powerful, expressive. I wrote down tongue to roof of mouth, eyes full of terror in a what the fuck did I get myself into face play for the ages. That's how I described it. And I almost gave it my face play. But something took the cake later for me. Oh my God, you even wrote a poem for it. Because I thought, it, I was like, nothing's going to top that. And then indeed, many things did. At least two things did for me. Nonetheless, Charity then produces fucking tear play in an ITM about being scared. This is professional level tear play here. She really is one of the greatest tear play bachelorettes I've ever fucking seen. Even in the promos, there's going to be some scene where her entire face is covered in tears later this season. I don't think we've seen something like this. I think she's one of the best bachelorettes we've ever had. Absolutely. There is no fucking question. I'm so blown away. As am I. <laughs> and it's so crazy to think that Mike Fleiss was fighting so hard for her to not be. <laughs> Beyond that, it's crazy that like the old producer class presented her in the way they presented her on Zach Shawcross this season, which is to say, didn't present her at all. I had no idea that she is this person that I'm seeing in this season. It, it's incredible to me. And then it makes you wonder like, fuck, what if we had had these producers that are on this season on all those bubble seasons? I know, exactly. Like how much better could the, all of those seasons have been? Fuck, what could have like good producers who didn't hate their leads have done with Claire Crawley and Tasha Adams season? What could that fucking season have been? Or even the Gabby, Wendy, Rachel, Reckia season. What could that have been if those producers would have fucking respected their leads? Ah, it fucking kills me. That one could have been very different. <laughs> yes. Instead, all of those seasons from 16 of Bachelorette to 27 of uh, Bachelor, they're just kind of like in my head, they're getting lumped into their own era, which is like my own dark seasons. Like I never want to go there again. <laughs> you know what I no. mean? <laughs> but I feel glad to be out of it now. I think we truly are. I, and I, I know that that is like cautiously optimistic and all this shit, but fuck every episode this season for me has been better than the last and they've all been fantastic. And, and I just love fucking... I love every piece of it. I love the players. I, I mean, how long has it been since you've seen a fucking season of Bachelorette where you were like, all of these motherfuckers are great players? They are. It's... They're... <laughs> it's incredible. But I also think there's just so much in the editing. Like... Yes! I think there is this material on every season. So we should just get... I agree! A new editor's cut. <laughs> new showrunner's cut. <laughs> God... Thank you, producers. If you're listening to this, thank you for this fucking season. It is a true goddamn yeah. gift. And I know we still got over half I the season like left, but it. fuck, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, I had to go off. So in, uh, <laughs> I know it's hard because I was so amped about this episode. Same, obviously. <laughs> Don't is playing this uh, fear factor, fear of heights date perfectly. They... They do kiss play as they jump. They make all the dumb metaphors. He's able to look out for me. He's taking care of me. This is like a relationship. And they even see a rainbow. And then we see under that rainbow are some wet geese strutting mm -hmm. their stuff mm -hmm. in the rain. 
And these geese representing the cleansing of Bachelor Nation <laughs> were my. <laughs> Creature of the week. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what they represented. <laughs> Let the rain pour down. Da, da, nice. da, yeah, Taylor Swift. Clean. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Blame it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. Melly Vanilli. Hmm. Yes. All of them. All of the above. Back at the guy's place, back at uh, Skamania Lodge, Joey and Aaron are discussing what it means that (laughs) Doton got the one-on-one. Joey thinks it means he's developing a connection with her. He doesn't understand the producers make all of these choices about the dates. But it's, again, in the presentation, it's almost believable here. It's almost believable that it's like, oh, she's making a connection with him. I can't fucking understand this. It's almost believable. That's how good this fucking season is. Uh, Anyway. And we get this... We. We get this footage of this walk between Xavier and Brayden, and it's filmed sort of far off as if they don't know they could be being filmed. And Brayden confesses that he's in danger. Charity is pissed at him. It's just because, you know, Aaron B is threatened. And we we cut back and forth here like we're watching some dramatic. Yeah storyline where they're like taking the care to intercut the two different conversations and we're seeing him tell Joey beyond that the shot that you were describing where Braden and Xavier are just like standing out in this wide green expanse of grass their backs are to us this sh- they've done this shot i believe one other time and i think it might have been in 25 at Nima Colon with some players that were out mm-hmm. running on a path a similar going on a walk you're 10 minutes a day you're allowed outside. <laughs> exactly. 10 minutes in the yard. But that was something that didn't have quite the same tone. Here, it takes the tone of like, it's almost like from a fucking Martin Scorsese mafia movie. And you've got two gangsters like trying to hide what they're saying. Yeah. And this is some kind of like police telephoto lens zooming in on their conversation. You feel like they're doing something bad, like he's saying something bad. And we're getting uh, a little sneak peek of what he's saying. It's so good. Yes. Exactly. It's so good. It's perfect. We see Aaron be telling Joey that, you know, there's patterns going on with this guy. So toxic. And and this is important. The toxicity. This is where we start to inject the idea of this episode that there is toxicity within this season, a.k.a. within our beloved game. Now, I'm just going to put this out. This isn't really conspiracy town. Yeah, fuck it. Let's make a conspiracy town. Pack your fucking bags. We're going to conspiracy town. <laughs> okay, they're already packed. All right. Um, I, I don't know if it's conspiracy town or not. I'm about to walk in. I'm I'm leaving, but uh, conspiracy town. I don't know if it's exactly that, but I get this feeling. The word toxicity was mentioned so many fucking times this episode, throughout the episode. It's a conscious choice to put it in there. And they're aligning that toxicity. They're hanging it on Braden, his actions, his 4TWR play style, et cetera, et cetera. They then remove Braden ultimately from the game. Spoiler alert. Uh, and there's much made about him now being gone. And so, therefore, too, is the toxicity. Now, again, I know that that's specific to this episode, to Braden, to this season. But generally speaking, the metaphor of it, I believe, and maybe purposefully so, maybe consciously being done by the producers, the metaphor is the toxicity within our beloved game. I believe it is the producers using coded language to tell us that the toxicity within our game is gone, that they've removed it. Yes, that's what the geese were about. 
We're clean. Fleiss and his loyalists are gone. The toxicity <laughs> removed. I look, look. That's just what I got out of it when I watched it. Hey, I saw it in the creatures, so <laughs> I'll go with you. Thank you. Anyways, <laughs> Luca Tony and I are coming to conspiracy town. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, then Joey basically says, hey, dude, I appreciate you uh, doing that tattle. And it's like, yeah, no shit. So you get all the benefit without any of the risk. Everybody else gets all the benefit. Yes. But he couches it in proper game terminology when he says it allows Charity to start focusing on who is really here for the right reasons. Uh, then we see Braden tell Xavier. The top players are for TRR. Yeah. Then we see Braden tell Xavier that you never get to see Charity when she's off. She's always on as the Bachelorette. And and Braden has a very interesting play style here. I know that he's presented as a 4TWR villain. And of course, he's removed from the game for it tonight. But I believe this is probably as far as you can go as a true 4TWR villain in this era. The Saints season 16 and Courtney Robertson, this is as close as you can maybe get now. Nonetheless, um, the way he's positioning this is that Charity's on, always having to be the Bachelorette always having to play this role that is a little elevated from reality, a little fake. And that also is his main complaint against all these guys saying, I'm ready to get fucking married two weeks from now. We've seen that attack on a bachelorette before. Yeah, exactly. That it's like he he has a little bit of Chad Johnson in him in, the, in that way, saying that all of this is fake, mm-hmm. which is an interesting play style to be able to pull off for this long through the season, I think. Yes. We see that they are still having this conversation now in the rain, which was beautiful. And we see Brayden go, I am a dick 100%. I know I'm a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like... And... God. (laughs) And that's something about Brayden that is interesting. He can do these 4TWR things, and uh, as long as he kind of acknowledges them, he has self-awareness about it. It takes a little of the edge off. He's not a complete fucking 4TWR villain. It's like you're kind of on his side because he's funny. And the shit he's saying is like, it is kind of true. It is a reality show. All of these people are acting. None of these guys really are. I mean, he does make everyone sound like lunatics to me when they're talking, like Sean just talking about his journey. And I'm like, what? <laughs> exactly. And the way they cut it. And this is interesting in the the um, editing as well. Whenever people are saying that shit that illustrates what Braden is talking about, like all these guys saying they're ready to get fucking engaged, that can't be real. Then they they have a shot of the group of them talking. And as a guy is saying that, they'll cut to fucking Braden looking at him like, are you out of your mind, bro? And it's almost like, yes, if any normal person is put in a situation like The Bachelor or any reality show for that matter, you're immediately like, what the fuck? This is crazy. And nothing there is real. And he's just calling attention to it. Because, I mean, people... Look, I'm sure there are unseen connections, but like Caleb still totting in a cowboy hat. He's like, yes, talking about his love levels. And stuff. Yes, exactly. A man wearing a full ass cowboy hat is telling you how without having literally any time with her by himself, he has fallen in love with her over the course of two weeks. Yeah. Like that's fucking <laughs> insane. And and uh, Brayden is able to kind of like weave that into his game. It's a, a complete going against the process, but he's still here fucking this late in the game. God damn, he's good. At any rate, uh, so we then get a casting card. Are you ready to take the leap into love? And we begin portion three, night at the guy's place. The guys all agree there are five people who haven't had a one-on-one yet. Tanner gets what seems like his first ITM of the season, saying that he wants that one-on-one. <laughs> we then get a knock-knock, and uh, Michael ITM's not wanting to be on this group date card to get the one-on-one. We see the date card. 
It says, meet me in the woods. It is a group date. Joey, Aaron, Michael, Caleb, Braden, Sean, John, and Tanner, which means Xavier gets that one-on-one. And John gets some screen time here about being disappointed. Again, they're giving him so much screen time for a season that amounted to nothing, really. This man never made any fucking plays, but he was like one of the main characters of the season. They're trying for Bachelor for him, and they're going to see how it plays out this season, I think, what the fourth audience reaction is. But like, that's their Mm plan. 100% that's their plan. Do you think there's any other people that they're planning? I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to wait to see like the final three, how that shakes out with the fourth audience. If somebody really pops and there's a a big campaign like, this guy's got to be The Bachelor, then maybe that'll be that. But I think they are planning for John. He's had so many ITMs. I thought he was going to be in the final four or six. Yeah. I thought thought he would be like fourth place. I did too, but it might also... See, and this is something that like is interesting about this season too. And maybe this is me just fucking living conspiracy town now, but like I really start to go deep into the the theories behind why I'm seeing these things. And it's like if they wanted him to be the bachelor, why wouldn't he have gone to playoffs, right? Could be that, exactly. Because could be because these fucking producers on this season actually give a fuck about charity and when they're like you have to fucking take him to hometowns maybe she was like look he's a great guy there is nothing there like i cannot do that maybe they fucking listen to her that's literally what i'm thinking maybe they actually listen to their lead and that is conspiracy town that's how fucked we are in this goddamn game but it's back it's fucking back all right so uh we see that i feel like she gave him the same contract as brayden I'll give him four. Yeah, exactly. Got a four-game contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a, a bonus appearance on Sand. Uh, I, I actually think Braden is going to fucking dominate Sand. But nonetheless, we get Aaron B. ITMing that uh, it's not going to go well because this group date's not going to go well because there's going to be friction with him and Braden. Tanner says they all need to make sure they have a good day. And in quotes, that girl has a smile on her face all day. So he's thinking about her. Back on the one-on-one, it is the night portion. So, Fortiara. Yeah, I mean, all these guys at this point are like hardcore Fortiara players. Uh, back on that one-on-one, Doton and Charity are making s'mores. And um, they Lady in the Tramp one, which seems difficult. And then as they're sitting fireside, Doton tells her... <laughs> I, I was like, this is his first s'more, and you're going to be like, this is how you have to eat it? Jammed in your mouth. I'm sorry. To have the first s'more you ever eat, as Lady in the Tramping in our beloved game, tell me a better way to eat a s'more for the first time. I'm listening. In the woods. No cameras. <laughs> Unlimited uh, marshmallows. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Other things involved. Oh, damn. Meanwhile, we get so much game speak. Yeah. John is saying he's disappointed about not getting it after the group date rose. We see this hyper positive play by Brayden about the woods. <laughs> and oh, I wrote here big Bigfoot coming. He he was not. <laughs> uh I was like, the Samoras, it's gotta be here. There's like a tent set up. No. They talk about how Doton has these roots where at four years old. His auntie saw a random lottery and called his mom and got him to win this lottery for him to come to the U.S. and talked about his parents struggling. You know, this is a solid PTC. Yeah. 
It was fine. I mean, it was just like, I for- honestly forgot after what we see later. Charity says, my parents also worked so hard. It was a suburban area. And basically, she implies she was one of the only black people. So she became very achievement oriented to be the best at everything. I just, she is captivating in these scenes. I, I know. I know. I know. I'm like, can I please see the uh, sitcom version of Charity as a child? Can I please see that? That would be my favorite show. Well, she wants to find her person and be a mom. This seems seems for TRR. And he talks about how the world has tried to put him in a box his whole life. They agree on this. Uh, she thanks him for opening his heart. She feels so good around him. Love level one. He says, same. Love level one. They make out in front of this fire. And Terry Itans is going to really be my person. Uh, <laughs> she gives him the one-on-one rose. Does she say yeet when she picks up the rose? There were a bunch of weird little cuts to people making noises. There was one that Brayden did at some point where he just went, oh, or something like this. She did something. Yes, I made these same notes that there were these little noises people were making. I thought it was maybe that. Grace Ann uses that word. I think it's, you know, younger generation. Uh, Charity can't stop smiling. And he calls it a perfect match. They go to a hot tub. He ITMs. Maybe I'm just a big lover boy. Love that. This is a famous hot tub, by the way. They use the same portable hot tub again and again and again and again. I don't know if it's the exact same one, but it's the exact same model for sure. It's not the exact same one. Really? You don't think they have this one hot tub? You think they're paying to transport that hot tub around the world? Yep. They put it on a fucking cargo jet and they have it there before the fucking players. The hot tub is treated like royalty. No, I think it's just they get different ones, but it's the same model. It's always this wooden outdoor portable hot tub. We've seen it in Matt James' season. We saw it in Joe 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 season. One time it was a tin can at the racetrack. <laughs> yes. Do you remember that one? <laughs> It was like in a tire. Oh my God. <laughs> I do indeed. Nonetheless, uh, they get in this hot tub and. Sorry, Manusha. Don't I was feeling lucky and grateful to the forces that be that brought them together, aka the producers. And they make out in this hot tub. We pan over to see the rose sitting on a nearby towel table. This is the last shot. It goes from them making out and it just pans over gently. And we see the rose sitting on this table. And the noise behind it is like magical sparkles, it's like Disney sparkles. And that's how they end this fucking scene. Prestige. Mm-hmm. They turn a hot tub scene into like a scene out of a Disney movie. It is fucking prestige. It, it's, it's showing you they're thinking about these things again. Whereas before, those old producers, they don't give a fuck about this shit. The little things, the little bells and whistles that just like take us out of a scene on that little fucking shot. It's so beautiful. So well done. I- <laughs> I'm thinking about the pandemic version of this date, which was Katie Thurston and Greg Grippo. Yeah, a different outcome. <laughs> Sitting on a stump. Weren't there? Is there something on a toilet? Yeah, they had. They were camping, and they had to shit in a bucket, or that was the the what they intended. The like camping toilet. That is the uh, <laughs> the dark years. Exactly. Version of this date. Yes, exactly. That's a great example. It's just, it's so great to see. Uh, the date's 
like all look amazing so far this season, which I love. But I thought Doton played pretty well here. It was a very textbook down the middle play. You got nothing out of the ordinary. He's not fucking uh, stepping outside of the box here at all. Just lays in a solid kind of this is who I was as a kid bordering on a PTC ish, but not quite. It doesn't really venture into there, um, but he plays it well. I think he is a, a real safety kind of player. I don't think we're going to see any groundbreaking stuff from him, but I think with just like his natural ability and his kind of understanding of the game generally, he's going to go very far, I think. I think he's going to do well. I see a hometown for him for sure. Oh, definitely. We see that the guys are hiking uh, for the group date and they're interpreting the meet me in the woods. What could it be? And we see that Brayden is hiking with a giant pole. Oh, God. I mean, did they just give him a bucket of props for this episode? That motherfucker <laughs> is a skilled player. As soon as he says, we're going to go walking around in the fucking forest, he's out the door. The first stick he sees, this guy is picking it up. And he is walking with it like fucking Gandalf. <laughs> through the goddamn woods, leading the fucking rest of them. He's in front of them. Now, I don't know how much the producers are involved in saying like, okay, you guys are going to walk as a group. He's going to be in front. I don't know if it goes that far. I don't think it does. I think they let players jockey that out. And this motherfucker just did it. Mm. Giant earrings, big scarf, Gandalf Kane, front of the pack. I never thought that the person who wins the race could be producer chosen. I... I mean, everything can be. I think Braden's earring choice can be producer chosen potentially. No, that's him. All right. I no, I think he's got like an artistic genius way to play this game. Like I, I do too. It's brilliant. This episode was so entertaining. We see John. We're getting so much John. He is discussing the flannel uniform. He's you know. He's putting in solid youth pastor play here. I, I think feel like they're giving him a kind of a Ben Higginsy edit, but he, mm -hmm. again, he's not going to be in the next in the next round. I which I feel like you would want for the next Bachelor. Uh, Sean loads a tripping IFI, and Brayden thinks that Aaron B is going to be out of his element. <laughs> Brayden wins the race. <laughs> We see charities tell them that there's going to be some experts coming who are going to tell us how to do this date. Well, we we also see right before that Braden has an ITM where he is talking about how the other guys are saying he didn't wear enough clothes to be warm. And he says he's ready to assert his dominance and the clothes are coming off. This will come into play later inexplicably. <laughs> there, We'll get to it. Like my wowee or like confusion moment, like dissociating from reality moment. I don't know what we want to call it, <laughs> but something happened to me in this episode that we don't have a name for. I'll say, I'll tell you that fucking much right now. All right. So charity <laughs> lines up these fucking guys and she's like, I brought some experts to help us on the script date. <laughs> you want to talk about shedding a fucking tear? This was almost my fucking shedding of tears. This is a perfect child army. This is exactly how you fucking use a child army. This is not, I know. Colton sucks. Know. This is not fucking shitting on your lead. This is elevating this date to a level that it would not have otherwise been on without this child army. And by the way, your casting of this child army, perfect. These are the Skamania scouts. They are kind of Girl Scout-esque. And uh, 
Charity introduces them. They come in in a parade. Come out in a parade. A fun parade. So cute. Super cute. And then we get introduced to him. K. It's friendly. K and Aria. And fucking Aria is the last one. <laughs> Aria is hard as hell. Hard as hell. This camera comes to fucking Aria. Aria almost did my face play of the game. Yes. Her anti-face play. Same. Almost. It was very close. Uh, but uh, I'll be talking about Aria in a an award capacity a little bit later, mm-hmm. but it was not faceplate. Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine why. So, so Arya's fucking shooting daggers at all these players, especially Aaron. Now, this is obviously the producers told her to do this, uh, but she's doing it perfectly. She's a great actress. And Charity says they're going to teach everyone how to survive in the forest. So this is very similar to uh, what we saw in season 23 of The Bachelor, where Colton Underwood takes everybody out and they have to hunt for grub worms and shit. Uh, God, that was such a good season too. And Demi, Han- De- it was Demi, Hannah Brown, and Hannah Godwin. It was a team competition that time. Busted out of the goddamn forest or the jungle or whatever and went and got a goddamn cheeseburger and champagne. Fuck! What a good show. That's what I'm talking about. That's me during the bungee jumping date. Okay, I see. That's pretty good, actually. That would be a good play. Uh, yeah. So, Kay here takes charge. She delivers the monologue. They're testing the guys on resourcefulness, bravery, and strength. Core scouting principles, whoever impresses them the most is going to get time with Charity at the Kissing Tree. Now, this is a made-up thing by the producers, but this is an official play for time. They bring this sign with them. They don't bring the hot tub, but they bring the Kissing Tree. You think they just have a a slew of those signs that they hang in weird places that are always like... They have... They've put them so many places that are like the Kissing Tree or the Kissing kissing Rock. rock Yeah, all that shit. (laughs) But here it works. Here it works in the tone of how they're presenting this piece because it's already kind of like an elevated comedy bit with the scouts, Mm -hmm. but done in a way that still is like the guys aren't being made fun of. They're not like the comedic prop being used. It's these kids. And that's fine. What they're doing is like creating the situation that both Charity and the guys all find kind of funny and cute. And we're on board with that. None of the players are being harassed. None of the players are the butt of the fucking joke. It's like done well. There's a class to it that was not there in these prior seasons. And I just loved it. I fucking loved it. I usually am like, Child Army, they're going to fuck this up. This was perfectly done. They were one of the best Child Armies I've ever seen. I agree. If you wanted to take the class out, though, you could have them scavenge and dumpster diving. I think that would be entertaining also. Oh, my God. Okay. To find the kids' food. Sure. And we see Charity say, it's not who's the best at the activities, but it's about their effort. They're really going to even just say it out loud. <laughs> we're following kind of Aaron B and we're following Brayden during this date. Brayden is doing, or Aaron B is doing this kind of like uh, resourceful, oh, I'm going to go in the water and do this. But then he falls in the water. I, if this is, I love this micro play. We see kids and Charity do this little funny scene where they're like, who's the smartest? And Charity says, it's definitely not Brayden. And cut to Brayden ITM. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just picking up random things and eating them. And no one is stopping me. And he holds up a handful of fucking beets that somebody bought at Whole Foods. Like, what? (laughs) He, He... just found beets growing in the forest. That's what he's chewing on later. There was also a picture of somebody's hand coming in and picking up like raisins or something, just like laying on a, a log. Yeah. So it almost felt like the producer scattered weird foodstuffs around the forest for the guys to find. I'm not sure. Yes. 
I feel like they did. How do you too? Um, but I just loved this image of him, even if it was <laughs> like fake food or something, just eating random shit that's on the ground. Yeah. A true animal. <laughs> I was just laughing my fucking ass off. Uh, Aaron B doesn't like it. He's trying to steal the show and make it about him. And we see Brayden going the opposite way in the, through the forest. Fuck the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's really hamming it up. And I think to, to uh, great result, personally. I think this date was designed around him. I do, too. Uh, so the guys ultimately all come back with their forged nutrients. And Sean tells the scouts that they are little demons. He says, you guys look cute, but you can be little demons. And we get some great face play reaction here from Aria. Then we cut to an ITM with the three Skamania scouts in which Kay says, I don't know what he's talking about. We're not demons. And then Aria goes full demon and delivers a line in demon mode. Well, I'm a demon. And this play solidified her as my Jorge, 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 Jorge. Moreno, bystander of the week. I've I don't think that I've ever seen a child performance like this, and she will go down as right now at least my favorite child performer of all time in our beloved game. She used a demon voice. Now look, this is conspiracy town. You know that I sometimes do, or all the time do, a demon voice when I'm talking as producers on our beloved game. I know that a lot of your whole brand is demon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, really? it's true. It's true. I can't even argue. <laughs> Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. You got no idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. (laughs) Just call me Quinced, King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, 
it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims <laughs> vampires demons i literally was like true clues somehow trained this girl and that's why she was also my jorge 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 moreno Bystander of the week. I then texted you with Grace Ann and I said, was this episode designed for us? Yes. Because it felt like it was speaking to us. But see, that's the, the, when an episode is fucking good, when producers know what the fuck they're doing, I think everybody that watches it has that feeling. There's a little something in there for everybody. You know what I mean? (laughs) For me, it's the girl talking like a demon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so. It was we, so good. Uh, we see everyone <clears throat> present their foods, and we see that Tanner is pissed because Brayden stole his charcuterie board idea. Yeah. Then we get some other challenges here. Question one, how would you keep charity warm? And this is a deal where other guys have to write down their answers on a chalkboard and flip it over. And we see Braden says, give her all my clothes. Ha ha ha. So he's still playing with this joke of like losing clothes. Michael says body heat. Aaron says cuddles and hot cocoa, which scores points with the Skamani scouts who also like cocoa. Question two, who would you eat to survive? All of the guys say Braden, except him who says Sean. And we've seen this 
at least one other time. I can't remember what fucking season it was, but there was another situation that was exactly like this where everybody in the house hated one person and they all were asked like, who's the most arrogant person in the house or something? And they all said one person except that person. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they've used this mechanic before. And I think it's a great mechanic because it allows the all of the players basically to tattle on one to vote. like without any repercussion as long as they all say one guy we saw it happen with repercussion one year where this was back in the experimental era where Mm. uh they had everyone vote for who they thought should leave or was for twr and then they gave that person the first one on one day but it shattered that person god i don't remember what season that was but fuck that was rough yeah (laughs) it shattered the whole player pool and this was on day two i think uh because the the women who like no one wanted to fucking vote it gave them like emotional stress to vote and then the person who got voted like the least it was like the least serious or the least compatible or something in the house mm-hmm. brutal but nonetheless uh we see what these guys do here they all say it's Braden, the one that they would eat and charity clocks this and says uh they all have it out for Braden. then we get question three how do you want this journey to end with you and charity joey says engage tanner says don't want the journey to end aaron says down on one knee Braden says to be content <laughs> <laughs> oh man so fucking strong just so strong he's just basically calling it out so strong so consistent yeah you guys are fucking idiots be down on one knee. Be engaged. Don't want this journey to end. Be down on one knee. Oh. <laughs> so the scouts and then charity discuss. Aaron wins this group date. He gets that play for time. Brayden gets an ITM. Uh, now, after this, Brayden is without his shirt. The man is literally shirtless. His Chiron reads, lost his shirt. I wrote in big letters and then bolded it and italicized it. How... Question mark, exclamation, question, exclamation, question, exclamation. We don't ever see how this happened. How did he fucking lose his shirt? He's just shirtless now. He's an enemy of shirts. He's going, uh, playing off Tyler Cameron. That is the presentation of a modern villain that we fucking love. It's funny as shit. It's like, yeah, it's for TRR and it's like other fucking level. He's playing some other fucking game, but like they don't. They don't paint him as a moralistically bad person. He's just like doing this wacky shit. It's so fucking good. Anyway, we see Aaron and Charity. They're kissing at the kissing tree. And Brayden says she's an amazing woman. She might not be an amazing woman for me, though. Portion 5 begins tonight, that after party. Charity ITMs how awesome the group date was and her hopes to deepen connections. The guys sit in their group setting, having their guy chat. Joey reminds everyone how close... Uh, getting down on one knee is Aaron says, that's what this is all about. Getting engaged. They're really hitting us hard with that so that we know it will be justified when uh, I thought Charity's going to kick Braden off, but no, that is not what happened. We'll get to it. Braden ITMs that he might be the youngest guy in the room, but he thinks he has the most real relationship with her. Caleb praises the process in the group setting saying it works and it's powerful. And it's powerful. I just wrote, lol. (laughs) This motherfucker hasn't been on one, one on one yet. He spent no time with her. And who's it working for? It doesn't work. That's been proven time and time and time again. Paradise works a little bit. That's it. That's it. Like, are they... Do you think they're intentionally trying to make them look like kind of corny in their defending of the process? Because I feel like they're saying it's good to be 4TRR. Yes. Ultimately, that's the thing. Like, the 4TWR guy who was kind of like questioning the process is gone now. Mm Mm-hmm. But the idea of that is in the show, you know, whereas I feel like in the prior seasons, 
if you say even one thing, like when when Braden first said, like, I'm thinking about packing my bags, he would have been gone that episode. Oh, right. Yeah. There was like no tolerance for anybody questioning the process. Here, they've nurtured that. They allow it to happen. Yeah. They've allowed that player to stay in. They've allowed that idea to stay in the game longer, which is a better, I think, uh, kind of narrative opposition for all the four TRR players. I agree. I I think it's just it's so entertaining for us to watch in these parts where no one is that the stakes aren't that high yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're not in the playoffs. Uh, we see basically this Aaron B. Braden rivalry and Braden is saying I might be the youngest guy, but you know, they're naive with their perspective and is saying that Aaron B uh, did him dirty and Aaron B is like, you're wasting time. You're pessimistic. <laughs> and Aaron B talked about your actions around the house, said, pack your bags. Braden says it's hard to be here. We see the other guys asking him about it. Sean, you had the most time and you still have doubts. And we see Charity is storming on this heat, ask about this heated conversation. And Sean says, like, if you're not ready for an engagement, I don't get why you're here. And Aaron B brings it up. Well, he packed his bags twice. But think just real quick. I want want to take one second and look for a moment at what the producers had to do to make this scene happen. Because this shit is a work of art. Mm -hmm. They get these two guys heated. They get them fucking talking. And it's like they're trying to send Charity in because Charity's not coming in by herself. You you have to remember the timing of her interjecting into this conversation is done by producers. So they're holding her back. They're telling her whatever the fuck they're telling her because they're not telling her like they're out there arguing and we're going to send you in to break it up. They're not telling her that. I don't know what the fuck they're telling her. They're engaging her in some conversation in a side room and then they're going to tell her, oh shit, something's going on out there. You need to go like take a look at this. And they're sending her in pretty much blind, but the timing has to be right. So they're gauging, like, are they going to stop fighting? Are they going to escalate this? And they send her in at the exact right moment. It's fucking beautiful. This is how you produce this type of shit. And now it's, let's see what happens. There's nothing forced here. It's like, Charity, you're the bachelorette. Let's see what you're going to do in this situation. She's making Mm -hmm. these choices. Once she's sent in, she's making the choices. It's, It's fucking great producing. And it's great bacheloretting. I mean, it's fucking great all around. It's great braidening. It's great erroning. It's great all around. Yeah. It's like a soap opera. It's so fucking good. Beautiful. Tanner says, you packed your bags more than twice. And Braden's like, oh, well, I told Charity this. She's like, not twice. And she pulls Braden. Braden rolls his eyes when he gets pulled. (laughs) And the guys are like, like a child. Uh, the guys say, well, he's good with his words. He'll talk himself out of it. And Brayden tells Charity in this one-on-one time that he's been in the dumps since they've been in Washington because of their last conversation. And she asked him what, what's making it hard. It does feel like she's re- actually hearing him out. It doesn't feel like yeah. a scripted scene of like, I'm going to... For sure. Whatever. Braden says, I have no idea where I'm at with you. Cherry's like, I've made it so clear. And like that you don't believe that is insanity. And he says, I like you, but I don't want to be here right now. I don't think I'm capable of getting there in this environment. And she 
is disappointed. She deserves someone's wholeheartedly trying for her. I'll walk you out. And she says that it's kind of like her ex playing the victim, not taking accountability. And he says, I dug my own grave, but then the door wasn't fully shut as we see Charity sitting on these stairs. And you know from that line, we're getting a resurrection. Yeah. Um, Braden's self-elimination was my... Error, 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 error of the game. I get why he did it, and he's one of the greatest players I've ever fucking seen. Certainly one of the greatest villains. But... I just, I always kind of think you should never self-eliminate unless the circumstance is is demanding it almost, which this didn't. I would have liked to have seen what he does in the rose ceremony. I would have liked to have seen uh, what he does at the cocktail party. You know, like there was more for him to do in this episode. And we got to see a little bit of it when he, when he comes back. So they still kind of got it anyway. But I think he mm-hmm. did this without the producers knowing that it was going to happen. And that's why they brought him back in the end. They were like, we need this guy, fucking guy in the cocktail party. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, just have him come back and storm in and come on, Braden. You, you really should, you know, we'll, we'll give you another chance. If you want to have one last like moment with charity, you, we'll give you that. And you can kind of apologize and smooth things over. Yeah. Yeah. Like things were heated. Just apologize. You can so see that. Like it's, it may not look good if you end it like you ended it now, you know, that's how they got him. And then they sent that motherfucker in like a missile to literally while they're making out. And they said, you won't have to talk to the guys, probably. Yeah, of course. You don't have to talk to the guys. You can walk right past them. Just go do your thing with charity and then we'll get you out of there. She's ready for you now. Exactly. John and her. (laughs) 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 Uh, It's so well done. Oh, God, I fucking love it. Anyway, uh, so Brayden self-eliminates. He goes home. But I, I do think that it was interesting, like you're saying. That he says, uh, I think he knew he was cooked. That's why he self eliminates. Yeah. He he says he dug his own grave. He opened his mouth too much. Super self aware gameplay post mortem and uh, a great season. But we'll see him again. Portion six begins. We're back at the after party. The guys are all calling Braden toxic again. It's something we mostly see from female players post all of the earrings that you were going to wear the rest of the season. Oh, God. That would be great. Show what your engagement earrings were. Oh, fuck. Brayden, if you're listening, show us the engagement earrings, please. I, I'm curious. I'm just curious. Please, please. We see it with cocktail dresses all the time. It's a good play. I agree with you. It's a brilliant play. I think we're robbed of the rest of the fashion play for the rest of the season. <laughs> Aaron B is is going full accountant vibes here. Glad you were able to see the toxic force. And she tells him she appreciates him bringing things to her. I, I feel like I had high hopes for Aaron B at the beginning, but I feel like he's spiraling out. Well, I mean, he's an interesting player. He pulled off a fucking legit tattle. Like, that is that is very fucking hard to do. Did he? He's still there, ain't he? That's why it's part of my error. I just think it tanked his long game. I think it did too, but like, I don't know. Long game is fucking hard. I don't think he's hometowns. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I thought maybe at the beginning. Uh, nonetheless, she gets some one-on-one time with Sean then. And he sees, says he's there for her. He's ready to get down on the one knee. The process is working for him. Uh, and then he's like, if it wasn't for Braden and Charity, he's like, let's talk about something else. Charity ITMs that Sean gave her the reassurance of wanting marriage. We get this one-on-one time with Joey. He tells her she's handling everything amazingly and she should feel good about it. We get a little kiss here. 
We get one-on-one time with Tanner, who calls her impressive. And another little kiss, swelling score. It's all going good now. One-on-one time with Michael. She and Michael do bird calls, then kiss. Charity items that tomorrow's a new day and all the guys deserve a rose. She comes back to the group, picks up the GDR. Joey gets that GDR. And then this portion ends and we see Dark Lord Harrison, sorry, Dark Lord Palmer say, Brayden comes back tonight. Later, it's coming up later tonight. Brayden comes back. This, and you didn't like this promo. No. Why not? I felt like it was a spoiler. Yep. I thought he would be resurrecting based on that last line. Mm-hmm. But why do I have to see it? Interesting. I want to be surprised. I want to be like, oh, he is back. Interesting. I felt like he was coming back no matter what. And I wouldn't have been surprised either way. And I thought this was a good at job moment because it hooks your audience in. If you feel like the reason you're watching is for Braden, there's still more Braden. Keep watching. Yeah. And that assures that the ratings will stay up. Yeah, you're right. Speed agree. Speed agree. You want to just keep people till the end. For fucking sure. Uh, portion seven. Day Charity walks the streets as she ITMs that Braden leaving was a wake up call for her. She realizes she can feel something for a person, but they may not be right for one another. She has to dial in and focus for her one on one with Xavier, which is a work of art. They meet and he pulls her into a Maddie Pruitt style hooju, dead legged hooju. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign, but uh, she basically tells him that she has a plan, plan this fun date with some local favorites this is going to be a win in Rome. She ITMs that they have fun, but she's looking for this deeper level. They go to a fruit festival. I said this might or might not be real. I don't know. They sniff some lavender. <laughs> I couldn't tell whether the fruit festival was real. <laughs> I couldn't either. There were a lot of fucking people at it. That seems like great lengths to go. Were there... Yeah, I mean, it's like the cheese festival or whatever. It looked like the same amount of people at that were at the handball game who got hit. Yeah, you're right. This probably it wasn't was real. Like 10. Some of the signs were definitely, like, some of it was definitely fake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the thing where they have to go do their fear factor of eating the pepper jelly with chips, that was definitely fake. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? They don't have a Southern delicacy in Washington? No. Nor is is that a Southern delicacy even. I don't fucking know. They're probably like, just get them to eat what? something hot. We want to see them like have to fucking drink a lot of milk and have tears in their eyes. I wanted them to make out while they were eating it. Whatever. They're trying. It's effort. It's still effort. And even in this, something that is like in the old seasons, producers would have had that shit be like ghost peppers. You would have had to go to the fucking hospital for all kinds of burns and shit. Here, it's just some kind of cute little, wow, that's really spicy. Even that I thought was... The worst part of this episode was the jelly chips for me, the pepper jelly chips. And even that, not that bad. So we <laughs> see them there. Yeah, exactly. They're also stomping pears, just like uh, we saw on Pilot Pete's season with the grapes. And they bob for apples. The crowd's cheering them on. Charity items that Xavier reminds her of people she would have dated in the past. This is not a good sign. Then they lady in the tramp some chocolate. A lot of lady in the tramping here in tonight's big game. Charity ITM's not wanting a guy that just finds her attractive. She doesn't want to look at him that way. She knows there's more to him. Then they get on this train. On the train, he tells her he's grown a lot. Didn't expect to grow that fast. We get a little kiss. And Charity ITM's again that he reminds her of her ex. But the connection is strong enough. uh, And she's not sure if she'll have the answer by the end of the night. But she needs to know that he's got some depth here and will not treat her like her ex did. Setting him up for exactly what he needs to do. Yeah, I feel like the remind me of my ex is a good sign. Well, not in this case, because Charity's ex cheated on her. It means I'm super attracted. I think she was talking about like behavioral reminders. Um, 
or at least these were her fears. Nonetheless, she has set up exactly what he needs to do on this date. And so we are looking for a very specific thing here. He has to allay her fears that he will be uh, cheating on her or not give her the attention, the love that she needed and didn't get in her last relationship. And so here we have it. Portion eight. This is his stage. It's night, full moon, fire, rose on the table. This is the one-on-one B at dinner. Charity ITM's needing to know how loyal of a guy he is because she's getting vibes from him that remind her once again of the ex-boyfriend. At the dinner, she asked him to talk about previous relationships and fears he might have about being engaged. And he says he's somebody who gives all of himself in a relationship and his fear is giving all of himself and not having it fucking reciprocated. That's a huge thing for him because in his previous relationship, it was tough to constantly ask for things he needed because he wants to be there for his woman. Sometimes he feels like what he's saying might not be enough. She says, you are enough and the right people recognize that and I recognize that. Now, I believe the phrasing here means this is not her ring winner because saying the right people will recognize that and then she has to qualify it. I mean, I recognize that. I think she's saying like, you'll be great for somebody else, basically, subliminally there. Oh, interesting. He then asks her uh, what what she's most wary about in a marriage, and she says, it's the infidelity thing. It terrifies her. That's why her long-term relationship didn't work out. She plays her cheating PTC. Uh, it messed with her self-esteem for the longest time. It's in the back of her head. She's fearful of not knowing someone all the way. He says, he's sorry that happened to her. What you're getting from me is complete honesty. I'm fully invested in showing my full self to you and I hide nothing from you. Charity ITMs that she felt like his PTC was perfect mirror to her own PTC. She literally identifies it as a fucking mirror PTC. (laughs) Xavier then says he will do anything for his partner and get this. His PTCs ain't done. He says my mom has multiple sclerosis and therefore I am getting my PhD. I have devoted my life and career basically to medicine because of my mom produces charity tears and Xavier's PhD PTC was my POTG play 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 of the game This was fucking unreal. This was also my... Play, 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 play of the game. I produced tears here. Oh, damn. This is both charity and me crying. It's, uh, I don't know. It really, it really got me. And I was like, oh... Xavier's going to hometowns. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, I don't think I need to even hide it. it. This is where he got my MVP. He didn't get my MVP, but this was my play of the game. And I mean, I've just not really, it calls to mind for me, the Zach Clark Quint, the five part PTC that he played on season 16 of Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. But it's not, that one is more about like uh, a bad trauma that happened to a guy and he was able to overcome it. This shit has some other things in it. There's like this weird humble brag in there about like, I'm getting a PhD. The reason behind getting it is the super 4TRR PTC about his mom's ailment. I mean, like what's more 4TRR than like dedicating your life to helping people with MS? And it's like 
for your mom too. But yeah, not just dedicating your life to it though. I'm getting a PhD, don't forget. So there's this extra thing in it that's like, not only am I dedicating my life to it, I'm doing it at the highest fucking level possible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a fucking doctor, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it was just brilliantly done. And um, hats off to Xavier. Didn't see this one coming. Didn't think he was going to blow it out of the water. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. 
She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Like this. We... We had seen his PTC in his intro package, but the way that he like shared this and alleviated her worries that she had set up at the beginning of this, I was like, oh, he might be the ring winner based on this point. I was just so impressed with it. Yeah, I was as well. And crying, um, which I feel like, I don't know. I don't feel like I've cried for like a 40 or a reason. <laughs> but uh, she says that she sees a whole new level. He's incredibly compassionate. He loves hard and well. And he kind of, this is a micro play, but he like bites his lip as she grabs the rose. And they play fairy tale music and she gets the rose and they kiss. I write again. This is how Nima Cullen could have looked. <laughs> the Nima Cullen that never was by Lizzie Pace. That's just, it's all I was thinking with all of these gorgeous like wood shots. There was like a shot of dew at one point. It was just like, I know. I don't know. It's just everything. This episode had fucking everything. We see the guys in suits on treadmills. Uh, Xavier is fucking knitting again. They're helping. Somebody's helping John trim his fucking nose hairs. And what this little montage does, it may seem very innocuous. It may just be like, oh, they're goofy guys. It's not. It's much different than what we've seen in the, the most recent seasons, which would use, again, the guys as props, as the butt of the joke. Here, it's the guys having fun with each other and subliminally, sub-psychologically, it's coming through the screen that they're having fun with the producers. Because you know, in your head, whether you're consciously thinking about this or not, these guys are on these treadmills in their suits. You know that producers are standing there with cameras and they're all like, oh, this will be a funny little bit. They're, they're presenting the guys as funny people, not as assholes or the butt of the fucking joke. Mm -hmm. And that is so different than what we've seen in the past. They're giving these guys like the real opportunity to be funny on camera. And there's the subliminal messaging of suits. Yeah. In the past seasons, we saw like on Kitty Thurston's season, they did a uh, a group date that was drag. How much fucking fun was that date? Probably a blast. The way they cut it and presented it was fucking terrible. And then they put out on Instagram yeah. that the, the missing footage from it or whatever. And you're like, that should have been in the show. That is the show. Why aren't you doing that? And in this season... They are taking care to find little moments like this. This isn't even on a fucking group date. This is just some bullshit they threw together before a fucking rose ceremony. Just like some little color to throw in the show. Mansion free play antics. Exactly. It's it's so much better done. It's just, it's at the highest level again. 
It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what they fucking did. Mike Fleiss, I guess that was it. I guess that was the toxicity. They got it out of the system. I guess. I don't know. I mean, we see Xavier knitting again. I mean, we're seeing these high-level plays, and they're actually highlighting them. The guys are getting ready for the cocktail party. We see this gorgeous, probably my favorite shot of this week, all the guys in suits walking in front of the mountains. And we hear John say, again, I'm on the chopping block. I didn't get a date this week. He Was he uh, by? He wasn't on the group date? No, he was. Oh, so he just means no one-on-one date? Yeah. We see... Oh, my God. Charity is Marilyn Monroeing in this outfit today. Also, the outfits have been amazing. I just feel like every single... Yeah. I mean, can't get enough of it. Uh, she leads a cheers. We see a one-on-one where Aaron B is massaging Charity. He is just, like, putting in work every second. Yeah. This is how I express love, he says. So it's not just like, you know, he's trying to get a massage in for the cameras. This is his his love language. His love language. Doton gets a little little specialty mini date with Charity when Charity shows him a childhood photo of herself. Or maybe she showed it to everyone. That would be pretty funny. Well, this is a mirror of, didn't he show her a picture of himself when he was a kid that he carries with him everywhere? Yes. So I think this is them. The producers are mirroring that. So even that is like... They got it for her. Fucking good job, producers. Charity ITMs having no more doubts about anyone. And this is after a long string of ITMs by everybody saying like, everything's going to be great tonight. We got rid of Braden, basically. <laughs> and you know, if yeah. they're having you all go in... A very long stretch of it. If they're having every one of you go in and say some shit like, the bad thing's gone. Everything's smooth sailing now. You know they're going to fuck you, which is what they do. But uh, we see some one-on-one time with Joey. There's a kiss. Charity ITM is being torn about the ones that don't have roses. One-on-one time with Tanner. She takes him outside on an adventure to find Sasquatch. Then says, there is no Sasquatch. We're just going to kiss. A very cute moment for her. Love that. We get a wolf howl then. Sound comes up. And we see someone trudging through the bushes in sandals. There is a horror music score. Of course, this is Braden. He comes to stand in silhouette against the fucking uh, resort in a horror movie style. Did you see yellow eyes? No. Did they put yellow eyes on him? In the hills? <laughs> oh, God. I didn't no, see No, not on him, but just like in the hill. Maybe I imagined it. I, did, I didn't personally see it, but maybe it's there. I don't know. We see a guy chat. They're talking numbers. Caleb says we're down to nine. He's like, at least I made it to top nine. He knows he's going home. Yeah. We see that we're getting a Braden resurrection. Aaron B makes a strong face play. Yes. All of the guys. Uh, Michael says, cheers to everyone. And as Aaron B raises his glass to participate in this cheers, he notices something out of the corner of his eye and his brows furl. His mouth opens to half aperture. His eyes focus on something disturbing in the distance. And he wonders out loud if what he's seeing is possibly real. Is Brayden back? And this was my face play of the It is so genuine, so real. For lack of a better description, Mm -hmm. some face play seems exaggerated from time to time. I'm not saying that makes it any any worse. I love the exaggerated face plays. But some of it from time to time seems like I'll do this for the cameras. I'm trying to be funny. This shit was 100% real shock and surprise on this man's face, which is mind-blowing. Yeah. 
it's almost like he's never seen the fucking show before. This should surprise no one. That they, they should Aaron B should have been standing at the fucking door with the holding it open for Braden to come in. He should have been expecting this. That's all I'm saying. It it was it was such a such a strong play. We see that Braden clearly didn't want to talk to them. He goes past them. We then see he ch- goes in a random room. This is like a pratfall Ed Wastebrot moment. It's like the Ed Wastebrot searching for Tasia's room when he <laughs> stumbles into Dark Lord Harrison's lair. And then Braden finds Charity and she is making out with John B. And he is in the shadows, and we're hearing Terry doesn't realize he's there. The bad thing about red lipstick, oh, it's all over you. In the shadows, this man's standing three feet away from them. And this is all fuck. They're in the same shot, for Christ's sakes. This is all done by producers as well. And again, this is the timing of it. So they've got Braden. They, they've told yeah. him, like, come on, we'll get you in the room with Charity. And then they're like, all right, she's she's right in here. Hang on one second. They have then a producer who's in the room looking and it's like, they're making out. It is a go. Send Brayden. Mm-hmm. Door opens. He walks in. Okay, go talk to her. He walks in and immediately he's like, oh, fuck. You can see him almost, his face divulging. Like, oh, they fucked me again. Nonetheless, he goes there. He does his duty. He stands stone still waiting for them to get to making out. John sees him first and reacts in shock like, what the fuck? And that's where we cliffhang this portion. It's so fucking good. This shit is like fucking, ah, oh, it's just like that. It's so good. It's so good. It's just the finest of wines. I love this season. I don't know what else to say. It is, and and maybe it's just because in contrast of the, what we've dealt with for the past, whatever it's been three years-ish. Yeah, it's hard to know what's like Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, but I love it. We see the guy chat and the guys are pissed. Sean, I don't know how to control my emotions right now. And then we see Aaron B says, I'm a raging bull right now. Even bigger. And we see Brayden perform this steal from John. <laughs> that was a rough one. And this is so rough. Obviously, Brayden did not know the context of how they were going to have this happen and she's like am I okay with the lipstick he's like you're good it's just like (laughs) god all of it's so fucking bad every part of it I felt bad for Brayden in this moment but I was also like whatever he's he is capitalizing on screen time here after a self-elimination to have this opportunity to get back on the stage is like you got to take it obviously you got to do this Mm mm-hmm we see Sean shit talking him to the guys. He's walking back in flip flops on a fucking scarf. And he's like, I, you're wearing a scarf right now. Didn't you just steal Braden's scarves when he left? He's like, this is cashmere. Uh, Braden basically tries to deliver this apology to charity. Uh, meanwhile, John B is going, I lost so much time with him, which I think is an interesting, like I thought for, part of this that this might be the narrative that they're trying to set up for John as Bachelor of like lost time Braden robbed John of time and yes if John had more time he could have yeah I could see that and he does a good line here how the hell is she gonna remember our conversation when that happens yeah (laughs) Braden said that he wanted to open up Terry said she questioned herself and 
I don't know if you saw yourself at the end. And Brayden's like, I wanted you to know it wasn't what you did. She's like, I obviously do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, best of luck in the process. <laughs> and he leaves through the guy chat and all the guys are fuming and Aaron B stands in the way of Brayden as he's leaving. And this was my error, 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 error of the game. I understand what he's trying to do here. He's trying to have his Tyler Cameron and Peter Weber block Luke Parker from Hannah Brown, like protectiveness. Yeah. But they're not stopping him from storming in on charity. They're stopping him from leaving. And so it just feels very like this isn't ring winner behavior. Oh, this is producers getting out their fishing pole and putting bait on it called Braden and casting it into the pool of players and saying, who can we catch? Turns out all of them. They fucking all chase after him. Yeah, it turns out literally all of them. It's unreal. I was like, what are they doing? What is? What are any of these? Fu-? And I know the producers are like pushing him out and some, you should better go out there and see what's going on. But like, what the fuck? Yeah, I feel like they pushed them all out the door. But many of them were engaging and yelling. Specifically, uh, Sean and Aaron were like fucking in it. They tried to, yeah. Braden goes out into this fucking party bus, very well lit. They obviously knew they were going to shoot all this shit and they leave the bus there. Broken door. Yeah, the door's <laughs> open and the bus ain't moving. I don't know how long he was fucking out there before the guys were all like mustered up to come out. They probably told him like, look, you're just going to have to fucking sit here and let these guys yell at you. Yeah, just wait. They need to yell at you. <laughs> yeah, we'll have them out here in like 20 minutes. We got to get hair and makeup done. Uh, but they come out. They proceed to have this. Oh, yeah. They're like, you have to apologize to John. And we see a cameraman. You know it's it's, it's a scuffle now. And Aaron follows him to the party bus. Why are you here? And <laughs> Brayden yells, you got a big dick, man. You're showing it. And Aaron calls him a gnat. Uh, John then comes in. He's having his moment. Yeah, I'm on the chopping block now. That's not how you treat a man. Yeah. Brayden says, I'm sorry. I didn't want to see those jackasses. Aaron And Aaron, I'll whoop your ass. So there is some threatening in this. John says, this is my convo. He's trying to like have his masculine moment as well. It's just, I mean... It is. You're right. They all took the bait. Mm-hmm. This is this is disappointing. The high level players, ghosted. You're ghosted in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you do see like, I guess Doton wasn't involved in that. Xavier wasn't involved in that. You're going to charity in that situation. If you're the highest level player, you go you go check how charity's doing. Savor after this. Exactly. But I mean, I'm sure those players didn't have that option. I'm sure the producers did push them all out. Yeah. But it was these ones. It was John. It was Sean. But probably John too. They probably told him like, dude, you need to get in there and like, it'll look good and we can use that to help your story. Because if they're trying to make him the bachelor, they do need to present him as somewhat mm-hmm. of like, you fuck me over, dude. He's got to be victimized a little bit. Yeah. Can stand on your yeah. own. Um, nonetheless, we then get a Golden Bachelor commercial leading us into portion 11. Couldn't be more excited for Golden Bachelor. And we come back into portion 11. It's still night. We're still out by the fucking party bus. Sean is still yelling at Braden in the bus. And the guys then finally go back in as Braden finally drives off into the night. Aaron B. ITMs that right now 
it's about charity. And uh, John tells the other guys if it's cool with them, he wants to finish his conversation with her. They're all like, sure, dude, of course you deserve that. And of course, then the darkness enters the room. DLP comes in with mm-hmm. one, two, three, four tings. I laughed so hard. Official play has ended. The cocktail party is over. Rose ceremony. Up next, John has lost time because of Braden. He's fighting for his life, he says, because there's no rose on the jacket. Sean ITMs that he was forced to turtle because of Braden a.k.a. the producers in this case. The guys file into the rose ceremony. Three roses on the table. Charity comes in, and uh, John ITM is being livid at the possibility of going home tonight. Charity tells the guys that despite another night with Brayden, trying to derail it all, she respects everybody there, but she has to focus on her connections and where she sees herself at the end of this. And then we know that the three roses coming into this ceremony are Doton, Joey, and Xavier. And uh, then we see the rose ceremony. It goes as follows. Aaron, first flower. His rose quotient this season is going to be fucking insane. Tanner, um, second rose. Sean, third rose. And then we get the Tam Sig, which means John, Caleb B, and Michael, we savored your suffering. And I think we're going to see more, probably of all of these players, but I think we're going to see a lot more of John in the very near future. Mm -hmm. But Caleb B then ITM's tears. I thought his exit was... uh, I did not expect tears from any of these players, honestly. But uh, Caleb B has legitimate tear play here and says that he learned how quickly you can fall in love in this process. I know for a fact that one of those uh, men in there will be her husband. Michael says something kind of similar, Charity. And it'll be perfect. What's that? He said, I know one will be her husband and it will be perfect. I loved this line. He is a strong supporter of the process. There's no question about that. then Michael says, Charity didn't see enough of me to continue forward, but the gentleman in that room, the gentleman that remained deserved to be there. Charity produces some tears. John, um, his exit ITM says he put his heart on the line and it's hard stuff. Charity has a great group of guys. They all say this. Uh, she'll find her person. I did the best I could. That's all I could ask for myself. So he's given himself closure here and permission to move on as the bachelor. Those that remain, cheers. He and Michael both love level four. The guys as they walk out, great touch. Uh, then we see the promo for this season on The Bachelorette. Beaches, Kisses, Waterfalls, Crawfish, Fairy Tales, Huju, Love Level 3s, Tennis, High School Sports, Love Level 3 from Aaron, Some Islands, Charity's madly in love with more than one person. She doesn't know if she can trust her instincts. Don't is questioning if he's ready. Does she have the genuine Joey? Tears all around. She's falling in love with all of them, and her mom brings the reality to her. Someone is physically here in the flesh, they say. So there's going to be some late entry. Is Braden back? We don't know. Someone is not taking no for an answer. Is that Braden? I think it's probably somebody later. I don't know who it's going to be. Aaron doesn't know if he can do an engagement. She's regretting her choices. Nothing makes sense. Saying goodbye to someone you love. Another resurrection, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then we get the tag. Oh, yeah. And in the tag, we see... It looks very dramatic, this uh, this program. I agree. I'm very curious to see who they bring back again. But we get our tag here. And in the tag, we see one Dark Lord Palmer donning a full-body Sasquatch taut and stomping around the grounds of the resort. Dark Lord Palmer, in his Squatch taut, was my... (laughs) Creature of the Week! Never seen a Dark Squatch. Never seen it in our beloved game. And can you imagine Dark Lord Harrison doing something like this? The closest we got was the Scooter episode or 
that uh, that long turtleneck sweater and listen to your heart or him on sand. There is something disarming about DLP when he does this. It makes you think that he's a good guy because look, he's willing to make a joke of himself in this way. A full body squash taut. That's fucking crazy. He's amazing. I mean, it's it's hard to argue with this full body squatch tot. It is very hard to argue with that. I would have given him my creature if I could, you don't count it. I mean, come on. He didn't have to do that. That is weaning me over, I have to say. I still believe he's a dark lord. I'm not ever going to not think that because he is, but... Wow. This episode had it all. Clues is warming to our empathetic king, Dark Lord Palmer. I never thought I'd see the day. Full body squatch tot. Um... Who was your MVP? I gave it away a little bit earlier, but for his powerful double PTC, won my play of the game, Xavier was my MMMMVP. I thought his game was just like, Perfect. And he hit he he withheld that PTC. He could have said that PTC on night one. That is true. Why'd you get into it? Oh, it's for this reason. It's timing. It felt like it had he just seems like there's a depth to his play style that I can't wait to see how he does going into playoffs. I'm sure we're getting a hometown. So yeah, he's one I'm very excited to watch now. Oh, hi, Skaboolian. Skaboolian's main appearance. Yeah, I agree with you. Xavier is great. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. He had a, a fantastic play game. He had my play of the game as well. But he was not my MVP. Braden Bowers was my... MVP. You just don't see play like this. Mm-hmm. He was self-eliminated in this episode. He was my runner-up. Came back, had a full fucking resurrection, and he was the whole episode. He was the main character of this episode. He did not have a date. He was on a group date, but he didn't have a one-on-one. He was the main character of that episode. You just don't see uh, anything like that. The earring play that he was doing, Gandalfing, all of it. Gandalfing... Eating the radishes. <laughs> yeah. He almost had my face play with those those radish teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All red. <laughs> I I just have never been this entertained by a player on The Bachelorette. I mean, I don't remember when the last one was. Maybe Chad Johnson. But that was a different type of entertainment. I'm not convinced you didn't coach him. Well, I mean, I can make no comment on that. But I love everything that uh, you did this season, Braden Bowers. If you did, you should be a proud coach. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I love everything. Do a face play if you coached him. That I saw out of this, there were a few missteps here and there, but all in all, a fantastic season. I thank you for your service. Look forward to everything you're going to do on Paradise. And um, he was my MVP. I want to see all of the extraordinary earring parasocial plays that I think we still have to come. And I want to see it elevated on sand with perhaps a mere couple who is also doing earring play. I agree. I would love that. 
a gift of earrings from Braden Bowers too. So fun. He made, I mean, he made this episode my favorite of the season. Definitely. I agree. hundred percent. Um, so that rounds out our recap of this, the fourth episode of this season of bachelorette season 20 week three domestic travel. They wound up in Washington state. Um, just a fantastic fucking episode. Thank you. Everyone who has joined us for these recaps. Thank you to everybody who has uh, stuck with us too through <laughs> what are the new dark seasons, I guess. <laughs> Whatever we're going to wind up calling that era. Because I know, look, we watch the show too. We're fans of the show too. Obviously, you know. We watch the show too. <laughs> it was hard. These last fucking years were fucking hard. I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, I agree. Because it felt like the people who were the stewards of the game didn't love the fucking game. And I got to say, it feels like they do again to me. This season really feels like that, and I fucking love it. It feels like a hurricane or a tsunami flew into the pit and sort of washed up some of the people. You know, if you weren't in deep enough, maybe you couldn't hang on. (laughs) Only the people who are really clinging to the edges of the pit could. Yeah, the people who have made it their home. Just kind of stick it out, and now there's a rainbow. Right. Which is not to say there aren't still massive areas of improvement that our beloved game needs to undergo. Certainly it does. But I just feel like it is much better this season than it has been in a very long time. And it feels fucking great. Yeah, I should. We should be clear about that, too. (laughs) It's definitely not perfect. (laughs) Yeah. As we say all this, it's like we will still be ending this episode with the dwab. So, uh, you know, (laughs) there are there are areas of improvement. Yeah. Not a single fat contestant on this season. There's a lot. Exactly. But uh, nonetheless, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Pace Case. And before we go, as always, what is that Dwabat? It's been 7,785 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be... Dark Lord Squatch. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then.